Chapter 144. Baños, Ecuador. Search for the grey-breasted mountain toucan. Agu's parents also owned a trout farm about six hours from here, and Agu and Ali had to go and look after it for a few days. I would tag along and check out the birds on the east slope of the Andes. The truck had no back seats, so the three of us were crammed into the front. They explained to me that every Ecuadorian town has some speciality food, and Ecuadorians drive from town to town eating them. We tried a few of these, a crumbly, greasy type of bread with cheese in one town, another town had nice creamy ice creams. We arrived after dark. Inti and Nina had got there before us and already had dinner on the go, grilled trout and fresh vegetables. Alejandro was up at the crack of dawn and showed me one of the nearby trails with a cool bird, the chestnut-crowned antpitter, hopping around on the ground. The property here was smaller than the one at Miraflores, but there were still some trails into the Sangai National Park nearby, and they were hoping to start an ecotourism project here. Alejandro showed me a nice spot down from the trout farm where they hoped to build some cabins for birdwatchers. In the afternoon, we took a nice walk on one of the trails up the valley. The birding here was incredible much better than Mindo, which is supposed to be one of the best birding spots in South America. I saw tons of new tanagers and hummingbirds, and the amazing oscillated tapaculo. Later on, turning up my day's total, I found I'd seen 24 lifers, my best birding day for a long, long time. Life up there was so peaceful and natural, I haven't felt so good in ages. Ali took me up another valley early in the morning, but soon had to turn back to go and help count fish fry, They had to count 30,000 of them and deliver them to another farm. I carried on up the trail and saw some really good birds, including the grey-breasted mountain toucan, a really beautiful species on my target list. I got some great photos and saw another stack of lifers and came down for lunch with another smile on my face. Inti had made some ceviche, raw fish, which was really delicious. Such a beautiful place here and such a natural way of life. It's given me a taste of the lifestyle I want to live. We had to wake up at 2am and load the 20 big bags of water, each containing 1,500 baby fish, into the back of the truck. They're really hard workers in this family. Then it was a six-hour drive to the other trout farm, during which time we had to keep talking to Ali to make sure he didn't fall asleep at the wheel. At the other end, we lifted the bags of fish into their new tanks. The owner served us breakfast then gave us a tour of his property, which was also for sale. The guy was getting on a bit and wanted to buy an apartment in Quito. There was some good forest here, close by another world-famous birding site. Alejandro had a contact called Harold Greeny, who also had his own reserve. We drove up there to meet him, but he wasn't there. But we had a good look at his place, and it had lots of birds, including some nice collared incas buzzing around his garden. We had a couple of stops on the long drive back, including the Papayacta Pass, which was absolutely dead for birds. There were a few hot springs on the way back, which also looked nice. Alejandro dropped me off at the bus station, and I bought a ticket to Loja in the south. While I was waiting in the bus station, I noticed a guy sat opposite me who was writing on photocopies of the Ecuador bird book. I went straight up to him and asked him if he was an ornithologist. He was, obviously. He was called Francisco Sonosa, and he was the president of a bird conservation group called the Hokotoko Foundation. I may have stumbled onto a gold mine. He was on his way down to Loja, onto a reserve where he was going to meet a bunch of famous ornithologists, including Robert Ridgely, a living legend in the bird world and author of the birds of Ecuador. I wondered if he'd let me tag along, 